Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 288. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint Live Online team. You can go check them out at blueprintmcat.com. Check out their live online course, which students love. I love the format of it because not only do you get all the amazing resources that the Blueprint online course gives you, all of their videos and QBanks and full-length exams and everything else, but you also get 16 live classes with two expert Blueprint instructors to help you integrate that knowledge that you're learning through all those videos into how to do well on the test. It's not just a classroom, it's a flipped classroom to help you score better on your MCAT. Again, that's the live online course from Blueprint MCAT. Go check it out, blueprintmcat.com. This week, we're continuing our breakdown of the Blueprint Diagnostic psych Soch section, passage for, you get this test for free over at blueprintmcat.com with a free account. Go over to blueprintmcat.com, get that free account, get the diagnostic, get their first full length for free, get their amazing study planner tool, their flashcards, all of the amazing resources in their free account. Again, blueprintmcat.com. Let's go and jump in to our episode today. Ali, welcome back to the MCAT Podcast. How you doing, my friend? I am doing great. Great to be back with you. Great to be back. Uh, the last several several months, uh, we've been breaking down the Blueprint MCAT half-length diagnostic, which everyone gets for free at blueprintmcat.com. Uh, our last several episodes, I, I was perfect. Uh, obviously, yes. we have a little bit more time here on the podcast <laughs> than I would have in a real testing situation. So I can't claim that I would have gotten all of them right uh, during a real testing simulation, but I'll take whatever wins I can get. But again, hopefully with the goal of showing students for me as an old dude, <laughs> very far removed from a lot of this material, I'm able to kind of deduce the right answer, at least get down to 50-50 a lot of the time to, to hopefully show students you don't have to know everything on the MCAT. I don't think yes. it's expected to know everything on the MCAT. This is a critical thinking test, and uh, I'm pretty decent at that. So uh, that's that's the, the goal of this podcast and going through these questions, and hopefully it's helping people. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, it's a skill that you want to build as a student, get better at not only knowing the content, which is obviously part of it, but also reasoning through questions, reasoning through answer choices, Yeah. even if you don't know the full picture. Yeah, 
That's the goal. That's the goal. All right. So for everyone, if you want to follow along, whether you're reviewing your half-length diagnostic or you just want to go kind of question by question before you take the diagnostic, either one is perfectly fine. You can go to blueprintmcat.com, get your free account, and get access to this half-length diagnostic. We are covering Psych-Sosh Passage 4 here on the podcast this week. All right, so we have another one of the like experimental passages, research style passage. So um, like we said the last time, we're going to make some effort into understanding the figures, the results of the study. And when we're reading this passage, we're looking for background information, hypothesis, the methods they used, and the results. So the, the, these are the things that we're, we're kind of like looking for in every one of the diagrams. All right. So we'll start. Perceptions of obesity and healthy body weight vary among demographic groups. Health professionals themselves are not immune to biases in how body weight is perceived. In a study of 251 psychotherapists, case studies were presented describing clients who were depicted as either obese or non-obese and either male or female. Regardless of the characteristics of the therapist, obese clients were more likely to be described as unattractive, as experiencing embarrassment, and as being kinder. While the treatment recommendations made by the psychologists were the same across all groups, male patients were more likely to be assessed as experiencing severe impairment. All right, so we we have our background in here. Uh, Is there anything you would choose uh, to highlight here, Ryan? I'm still trying to understand who they're talking about. <laughs> this was <laughs> like it seems very straightforward, but I'm I'm trying to think like so the 251 psychotherapists. Perfect. They're they're talking about themselves or they're talking about clients. They're saying they're describing clients. Yes. And then obese clients were more likely to be described as unattractive as experiencing embarrassment and as being kinder. So just, I mean, those words are weird to me. And then male patients were uh, experiencing severe impairment. I don't know what severe, so I'm just confused. I think I'm trying to read this as a doctor and I'm trying to understand what they're saying (laughs) versus just going with the words. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And the, I think the distinction in here, even though that a study is presented, but this is not the study we're about to read about. This is the background. This is, oh, here are some other studies that were done just to say that, well, everybody looks at obesity in a different way. Even doctors look at them in a certain way, like it influences the way we see people. Yeah. So the actual results are less important if there's a direct question about them, you can go back to, but this is just background. Okay. Um, and we want to base most of our answers on on this study, not the background study. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the key part of this is just this opening sentence of just like exactly. uh, obesity and healthy body weight vary among groups. Perfect. Yes. And that's what I would highlight. Yeah. So highlight this, move on. There were other studies that looked at obesity and gender. It's fine. Uh, I'll just put it on the shelf. If there's any questions about it, it's not going anywhere. Okay. So we'll go to the next paragraph. Self-perception of obesity and normal weight varies tremendously by gender and race. Researchers interviewed, oh, all right. So now we're getting into our researchers Mm -hmm. uh, 
what did, who did they interview? So researchers interviewed 5,000 participants between the ages of 18 and 65, assessing the participants' body mass index, BMI, and whether they perceive themselves as overweight. The results are presented in table one. So we're looking at patients, uh, participants, 5,000 of them, and we're looking how they perceive themselves. So let's look at table one. And Ryan, you help me with reading this table. So the first row. Yep. Perfect. So they have a normal BMI, but they're giving you the percentages that of patients who perceive themselves as overweight. Okay. So do these individuals have the correct assessment of their own BMI and weight? No. No. Perfect. So these are, their self-image is not reflective of like their own BMI. So they, they see themselves the wrong way, I mm -hmm. guess. Then overweight, they are overweight with a BMI of more than 25. Mm -hmm. And the bottom row percentages are these right about their own self-assessment. Do they perceive themselves yeah. correctly? So, some do, some don't. Yeah. So you can see that these percentages are like the closest to a hundred, the more like the reality and, and perception are meeting. So yeah. you can see that uh, the females at 79%, they have the higher percentage of self-perception is meeting reality mm -hmm. versus the lowest will be, well, male, black, and Hispanic are, are all close to each other as the lowest and white individuals overall are, are in the middle. Yep. Perfect. So it's, and Pretty that's, that's around 30 seconds, yeah. 30 seconds or less reading the figure. We'll keep moving on. Okay. A study following a cohort of 10,321 individuals over 10 years. So I'll, I'll stop here for a second. And, uh, what do we call a study where we track individuals over a long period of a time? And I know it's been a while, but I don't know. If you're, if you're <laughs> I mean, long periods of time to me, the, the word is longitudinal. Perfect. Yes. So, and a lot of times you read these things and it triggers you just like, oh, there might be a question about this. Okay. So uh, we have 10,000 individuals over 10 years found a significant change in the likelihood of experiencing discrimination on the basis of weight with such discrimination being roughly as likely as discrimination on the basis of age or race. The results of the survey are shown in figure one. So we have another figure, so we'll, we'll approach it the same way. Um, the caption says, um, change in the likelihood of experiencing discrimination on the basis of various factors from 1996 to 2006 over that 10-year period. Mm -hmm. So looks like discrimination based on uh, we've given gender, race, age, weight, and ethnicity. Yep. All right. Now, here we're not given statistical significance, but I, I would say that for weight, it has been increasing. Like the, the error bars don't overlap. Mm -hmm. So you can, whenever you're not given statistical significance, you can rely on these error bars. And for weight, it looks like it significantly grew between 1996 and 2006. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So, and 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 to, just to yeah, go ahead. I I would say probably the two uh, obvious ones here of like oh I can probably just kind of ignore these maybe are race and ethnicity. Yes. Like, 
my age isn't changing, right? My race isn't changing. My ethnicity isn't changing over 10 years. And so it kind of makes sense that the the likelihood of experiencing discrimination is probably going to be the same, right? You would hope it would go down because as a society, yeah. <laughs> we get less racist, but uh, apparently yeah. it's not happening. Yeah. So, uh, and that's that's a great point to, to point out here is that when we look at data and we see what is significant, then everything that's not significant is also interesting mm-hmm. that, uh, well, the race discrimination and ethnicity discrimination did not change for them. Obviously, their race and ethnicity did not change. But like you said, in those 10 years, society did not improve much yeah. uh, on, on the discrimination, at least for these individuals. Yeah. Is it important at, at this point to start thinking like, well, this is this is kind of self-described discrimination, right? This is likely a survey and, and how yes. good is this data of like, oh, I was discriminated against because of my age. Well, do you know that for a fact? Or are you just assuming that? Or Right? It's it's kind of hard. Yes. Should, should a student going through the MCAT, looking at these charts, looking at this data, make those assumptions? Or should they try to avoid that and just, just get to the questions and see if maybe at some point that comes up and then you have to think about it? Okay, so that that's an amazing question because we're gonna we're gonna look at it from two perspectives. There are some questions on the MCAT. They're called skill three questions that will test you on the actual research, like flaws in the research design or how the research is constructed or the strength of the evidence used. Mm-hmm. And in this case, knowing that this is actually self-assessed or self-described, then this is a weakness in the research because. Okay. We're like we're looking at surveys in general are viewed as weak on the MCAT. Okay. But when you have a question about like, oh, what can you take from figure one, even though it's a survey, even though that it might be biased by individuals, you will answer the question based on the data in front of you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we, we have like two separate ways this could be tested, but they don't overlap. You don't have to say, oh, if, if I have a question, explain figure one, I cannot say, well, figure one is useless because it's a survey. That's not that's not how yeah. the, the MCAT will test. Correct. Okay. All right. Let's jump into the question, see if I can keep my hot streak going. Question uh-huh. 19, which of the following would be an example of an experience of discrimination on the basis of one of the categories described in figure one? So figure one, again, is this this bottom figure where we're looking at gender, race, age, weight, and ethnicity. So Perfect. let's let's see if any of these fit into it. So that's what I'm looking for, right? Uh, so answer choice A, a lesbian woman runs for political office in a country with a voter base that includes many religious conservatives who object to homosexuality. So I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to finish reading the question because LGBT – like homosexuality is not one of the categories gender is, but LGBT, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put under gender, at least for this. Um, yeah. I'll finish reading the question for the listeners, but I'm automatically going to get rid of A as an answer. Her opponent, a heterosexual woman, wins the election despite being unqualified and being caught in several scandals. All right. So I think a lot of people may like that and go, oh, gender. But uh, I, I think that's more LGBTQIA. Yes. Uh, kind of stuff. So I'm gonna get rid of A. Uh, answer is B. An obese woman applies for an office job with 
no demanding physical tasks associated with it. Despite being more qualified than other applicant who is not overweight, she is not hired. All right, so we have weight here, and this is an obese woman uh, who's not getting hired even though she's qualified. So I really like answer choice B. I'm going to keep going just to see. Uh, Answer choice C, a non-obese man applies for a job working as a kindergarten teacher. Several women apply for the same job. The man is not hired because one of the women applying for the job is related to the school superintendent. All right, so we get, ooh, gender, right? The woman was hired, but I think this is more nepotism than she, it doesn't say the, the woman was hired because she's a female. They give a specific reason why she was hired, and it's some nepotism. So I'm going to get rid of C. Answer is D. An investigation of an adoption, adoption agency's records demonstrate that married couples are three times more likely to be approved for an adoption than unmarried women or men. Marital status is not one of the categories, so I'm going up to B with the one that I really liked at the beginning, and that's the answer, I hope. Perfect. Yeah, B is the correct answer. So here, here are my thoughts on this. So when you when you need a question like this one, then you know we're looking for an instance of actual discrimination. So that's one requirement. Mm-hmm. And two is it has to be about one of the categories that we have in Figure One. Mm-hmm. B met both both the requirements, and you knew B was the answer. I wouldn't have read C and D. Okay. I would have just like moved on. It's a, I know. I'm too scared. I, I know. I know that's, that's a normal feeling that I need to scan the remaining ones. I want to make sure that I didn't make a mistake, but trust your instincts and trust like your thought process. Your thought process was just like accurate. And yeah, I would, I would have clicked B and moved on. That's the, that's the only change I would have made. But okay. Otherwise, great job. Yeah. All right. Whew. All right, let's keep rocking. Question 20. Perfect. One study participant described overeating in response to a sense of anxiety about the state of the world, especially in relation to global climate change and the poor economy. The anxiety most closely reflects the effect of which kind of stressor? Perfect. Ooh. All right, so, so answer choices, acute, micro-stressor, crisis, or ambient. Um, so uh, stress, and I look at this and I kind of chuckle. I'm like, this is from like 2006, 2007, 2008 kind of time frame. I'm like, oh, if they only were studied now, I, I want to see what kind of stress they're going through now uh, in 2022. So the acute stress is interesting. Acute to me is like, Something happened today, something happened yesterday, something happened this week, and that's acute and right in front of your face. Climate change, financial crisis, poor economy, like to me, that's not acute. So yeah. I'm going to avoid that one. Micro stressor, I think of microaggression of like, eh, is it like, it's it's kind of there, it's kind of not there, it's, it's like it's not super in your face. Climate change and poor economy are very in your face, uh, and so micro stressor to me seems a little off. If I, if I kind of try to liken it to microaggression, similar language there with micro crisis to me uh, seems like a very good one, right? These are big global crises that we have, and uh, they're longstanding. And so, I, I don't know what ambient, I like ambient around us, maybe. 
Uh, and so potentially maybe like it's not directly affecting me. It's around us and I'm affected by it. So I really like D, but I'm going to go with C just because I, I think that potentially makes a little more sense. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> and I think your logic in here is good at first eliminating A and B. So acute, like you said, is something that happens once and it's not like a continuation. Just Yeah. Uh, micro stressors are like, by the term micro, these are like small things, mm -hmm. just like, oh, like uh, somebody cut me off in traffic mm -hmm. or the line at Starbucks is long today. <laughs> then those are like small stressors that will make you angry during the day. Yeah. So uh, then we can get rid of these two. Now, crisis, like, would you, would you describe that global climate change and the poor economy in general are a current crisis for me? Like, it's, like, crisis is something that it, it needs to be bigger for it to be qualified as our correct answer. Like, yeah. the building I live in fell down. Uh, uh, there was okay. a storm yesterday, and a tree fell. Like, war started in my yeah. country. I don't this know. I, be... I think I think the uh, the uh, climate scientists would <laughs> would argue with that with that yeah. point. <laughs> I agree. Like we call it the climate crisis. Yeah. But uh, it has to directly affect this individual, so they could be like affecting like in a bigger way during the day. Okay. Um, so that's why, even though like you can you can argue that the climate. Um, global global uh, warming and poor economy might be a crisis for mm. the the country, but not for me specifically. Okay, on a daily basis. I I think that's why we're in the climate crisis because everyone's yeah. like, oh, it doesn't affect me, because we're yeah. not defining it as a crisis. All right, that's yeah. Maybe that's why I pick C because I'm like, yeah, this is very important. This is a crisis. Uh, yeah. So so I challenge the question, and D is obviously the right answer. Yeah, yeah. D is, but, but D is it's, the answer. What, so was and... my thought process right on ambient of like it's around us but not directly affecting? Which describes in this case okay. global climate change and the poor economy because the person in this specific situation is not being affected directly on a daily basis by it. So it's something like yeah. chronic like over time yeah. and around us. And, well, we don't, we don't know. Uh, we, we, don't yeah. we, don't, we don't have enough data to say this one person, this one participate, participant isn't directly affected. Maybe they work for FEMA and they're traveling Maybe. to all of the different crises so, with the, the forest fires and the flooding and the hurricanes and they're affected every single day by climate change. I love this, yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's ambient for sure but it might be a crisis. And on the MCAT, you always want to go with oh, like, and, and what the question has to is be true, not most not closely. That, could be true, yeah. yeah. So C could be true, D has to be true because even if it's a crisis, it's still ambient. But if it's ambient, it's not necessarily a crisis. Okay, all right. Yeah. I, I'll take it, I'll take it. All right. <laughs> um, question. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, question yeah. 21. Uh, an overweight person attempts to lose weight by following a series of popular diet books, but he fails in each instance. Eventually, he ceases trying to lose weight and his BMI slowly increases. This situation is most specifically demonstrating which phenomenon. All right, so uh, just kind of rephrasing the question. Person basically tries diets, it doesn't work, and quits. 
<laughs> is 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 the uh, the kind of question here? What is that? So obviously, again, I'm very far removed from these definitions, but let's see if I can rationalize my way through it. Uh, a behavioral extinction, B self actualization, C learned helplessness, or D positive punishment. Hmm. So behavioral extinction sounds very uh, um. Uh, what's that word? Like, I I, I want to pick that one because I'm like, ooh, my behavior, I quit extinction, behavioral extinction. But it sounds kind of weird and seems very, I don't know. I, I don't like it because it seems very strong. Uh, so I'm going to avoid that one for now. Self-actualization, I, I don't think this is an answer. Maybe if it was like this person sees themselves as fat and they they... Uh, have tried diets, but they always see themselves as that. Maybe that's a self-actualization where you're just kind of living into it potentially. So I'm going to get rid of B. Um, learned helplessness sounds very, sounds good, right? I, I'm learning to be helpless. Like nothing's working. I've tried this things and nothing. I'm just worthless. I can't do anything. Uh, and so I'm just going to go be who I am. Uh, so C sounds very interesting as well. So and then positive punishment is interesting because, and, and I always get confused with this, the, the psych social questions of positive and negative. So is positive, like I'm adding food back in, right? My, my, my weight's going up because I'm feeding myself and that's positive. Uh, and so, and the punishment, right, is, is I'm eating uh, to punish myself because I can't lose weight. That to me is a very easy one to pick, but it doesn't say that in the question of this person is punishing themselves by eating more because they're disappointed they can't lose weight. So I'm gonna get rid of D for that reason. Even though I really like that answer, uh, the question stem to me doesn't have enough information for me to pick that one. So I'm left with A and C. <laughs> Hopefully I'm at 50-50 right now. Um, and I, I really like C as learned helplessness because to me, I, I have learned, right, and that's, I've been following a series of books, but fails at each instance, I've learned that I'm not good at this. And helplessness just, I, I can't help myself, so I'm just gonna go about, I'm gonna gain more weight and, and everything. So I'm gonna go with C and cross my fingers. Perfect, C is our correct answer. And we've seen this, I think, last week where we, we were going over a person and helplessness came up. Mm -hmm. And this is a term that relates to self-efficacy, like my belief that I can do it. I have control over it. So this happens when we are exposed to the same stress over and over and over again. And we, we, we start believing exactly what you said. We start believing that we cannot do it. Mm -hmm. Like I tried, it's a stressful situation to, to try to lose weight and try a new diet. And if it fails over and over again, then like, if learned helplessness occurs, means I like okay, I know I cannot do it, so I'll, I'll just stop trying, and that's what C is. Uh, behavioral extinction is kind of a separate topic. This is when you train an individual, or usually it happens a lot when we're using operant conditioning or even classical conditioning on animals mm. when they forget their training. So. You teach a dog that, well, every time you sit, I'll give you a piece of candy. So when I say sit, you sit, you get a piece of candy. We're doing, we're using positive reinforcement mm -hmm. to train that behavior. But if a couple of months go, go by and you say sit and they sit and you don't give them candy, then 
over and over, like over time, they will forget their training. They will forget that sitting in response to the to the command is is the correct behavior, and then they will stop doing it. So, okay, uh, that's why it's uh, it's kind of like off our topic here. Okay, and what about positive punishment? So positive punishment, I think you were on the right track of like if someone. But positive punishment is you punish a behavior by adding an unpleasant uh, stimulus. In here, I'm, I'm not sure that food counts as unpleasant stimulus where, oh, you got an F on, on a test, here's a cake, and because that's that's your punishment. It's usually here's no cake for you for a week because you got an F. Uh, so positive punishment is like you have to do extra chores because you don't do well on an exam. So I'm... I'm I want the the slacking off and not studying behavior to stop, so I'll withhold or I will I will add more uh, unpleasant things like yeah. doing more chores. And and just to reinforce that, because it's taken me a long time to to finally realize, in this psychosocial world, positive typically means I'm adding something. It doesn't have to be good, right? We yes. we typically assume positive equals good and negative equals yeah. bad. But here in the psychosocial world on the MCAT, positive equals adding something, negative equals yes. taking it away. So think of addition, yeah. subtraction versus positive, negative. Exactly. So I always write them as plus and minus yep. just to remind myself it's addition and subtraction and not good and bad. Yeah. So it's a, hopefully a, a couple points for people on the MCAT of just remembering positive, negative. All right. So uh, got, got that one right. Uh, so again... I don't remember these terms, but I was able to kind of rationalize my way through and, and end up at the right answer. 22. All right. An experience of discrimination as a result of one's body type could likely impact which of the following? All right. We have it's a Roman numeral question. We have self-esteem, self-image, and self-perception. Mm. So here we have to be, it's a Roman numeral question. So let's talk a bit of strategy before we approach these terms and okay. these Roman numerals. My general advice in here is pick the Roman numeral, start, this is the one you start with, that occurs exactly twice in the answer choices. The reason for this is um, if it's right, you can, you can eliminate two answer choices that don't contain it. If it's wrong, you can eliminate two answer choices that do contain it. So either way, you're eliminating two. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> in here, I can see that one is there Doesn't three work. times, yeah. two is there three times, and three of them is three times. Yep. So if we're lucky and we can eliminate one, like chances are like we're, we're going to go like the, uh, we're not going to get exactly two eliminations per uh, Roman numeral. We might get three, but we might all only get one. Yeah. So we'll see later on in this test a different Roman numeral where this strategy works perfect. Okay. So the question for me right off the bat is, what can I understand potentially about discrimination based on body type? And how would that affect someone? And to me, like that would affect every fiber of that person. <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. um, and so when I look at the answers, self-esteem, yeah, that would be affected, right? I'm not going to feel good about myself if I'm being discriminated based on my body type. Mm -hmm. Self-image, yeah, I'm not going to feel good about myself uh, in, in terms of how I see myself. Uh, and self-perception, I think very similar to self-image, unless there's something about these words that that I don't understand in terms of from a psych-social definition standpoint, 
I think someone discriminated based on their body type would be affected with all three of these, which Roman numeral D or uh, answer choice D, Roman numeral one, two, and three would be the answer. So that's, I think that's pretty close. The, our correct answer, even though like, I think this is one of the questions where close to 90% of our students went with answer choice D. Oh. So uh, you're definitely in the majority of like answering this question, but the correct answer in here is actually A. So I agree with you on one and two. So an experience of discrimination as a result from own body type would impact the self-esteem, like uh, what you think is your self-worth and then self-image. Now, self-perception is slightly different. So self-perception is how we perceive like it's, how we develop an attitude by watching our own behavior. So in this case, the person being discriminated against, they're not doing any behavior for them to perceive. Uh, The person doing the discrimination is where this term applies to. So I understand that self-perception and self-image are very similar, like as an English term, but in psychology, they're a bit different. Yeah, I'm going to argue that one. Right. My, my self-perception of like, wow, I I thought I was pretty, but nobody seems to think so. And so maybe, am I not pretty? That's affecting my self-perception. Is it not? Yeah. That's, it's mostly (laughs) about my behavior. Like I thought I was a nice person, but I might be rude. So you're saying perception is less. Like for the person. Yeah. Image. Which exactly. answer choice two and per- perception is more defined as behaviors. Yeah, behavior or like like and dislikes. Like somebody gave gave you like candy. Like somebody you like gave you candy and you said no. Just like oh, I must not like this candy as much as I thought. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. So, so again, from not a- like yeah, self image is more of like what I see myself as. Like I see myself like oh, like how I look or whether I'm a good person or not, but, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. And and what did I say? Right. Unless there's something very specific about one of these words in the definition. Uh, okay. So that's hopefully a point for someone out there when they come across their MCAT self perception in the psychosis world is less how I perceive my, my outside. Uh, it's on the inside that counts. (laughs) Okay. All right, it got me. Question 23, go ahead. All right. In a follow-up study examining the motivations that led to the overeating associated with obesity, many respondents pointed to a rewarding sense of pleasure they felt after eating large portions of high-calorie foods. This sense is most closely associated with activation of the... Hmm... Good old pathways. So yes. uh, nigrostriatal bundle, prefrontal cortex, mesolimbic pathway, and occipital lobe. So occipital lobe to me doesn't seem right, right? That's vision and, and some other stuff. So I'm going to get rid of that. Um, prefrontal cortex doesn't necessarily seem right. That's potentially more... Um, executive functioning, I think. Uh-huh. And and uh-huh. so it's like, well, if I'm activating my executive function, I should be able to potentially control my my eating of foods going, oh, this isn't good. And I can rationalize my way out of it. Uh, mesolimbic pathway, 
is interesting. Uh, I'm trying to remember the the limbic pathway, uh, but potentially, right? There's there's feelings and stuff in there from a limbic perspective. So I really like that one. Uh, nigrostriatal bundle. I don't specifically remember what that is, but I think that has to do more with movement stuff than it does than yeah. emotions. So my neurologist wife would be very proud of me, and I'm gonna go with C. <laughs> Okay, good. Yeah, like the mesolympic pathway is actually the reward pathway. And the key term in this question is pleasure. Yep. So, uh, and a reward, like re reward system is the mesolympic pathway. You just click C, you move on. Now, the prefrontal cortex is also involved in disinhibition. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so you might argue that like someone who eats a lot of candy or a lot of like that might have like an issue with the prefrontal cortex, but yeah. this is this is unrelated to what they told us in the question stem. So in the question stem, they tell us that oh, it's about the reward, so it has to be the the mesolimbic pathway. Yeah, and, and maybe I'm going a little bit too deep, but the difference for me was if I activate my prefrontal cortex that means my prefrontal cortex is working yeah. versus disinhibition my prefrontal cortex right if i've had too much alcohol i'm, I'm exactly. disinhibited my prefrontal yeah. cortex isn't firing appropriately isn't activated appropriately so that's that's how i got rid of b but all right uh, I'll, I'll show that one to my wife later and she'll be proud of me <laughs> <laughs> um so as as that, I mean, that was the last one. I think I missed yeah. one, maybe, um, or two. Actually, I missed two, um, and that's okay, right? One of, them, one of them is really tricky. One of them was a little bad, <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's the MCAT for you. It's gonna ask some some tricky ones. They're not trying to trick you, but it's just super nuanced definitions there. Um, and so, hopefully, as students go through this again understanding and not getting frustrated with, well, I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. I think a lot of people as they're taking the test, and I talk about this all the time from a, an ESL perspective, um, ESL students, when they get to the car section, most of their internal dialogue is, I don't understand this. I'm a slow reader. I don't understand this word. What is this idiom? I don't know. And they're blocking their brain from being able to process what they're reading and understanding the questions. You just got to get that out. And then the same thing, I think, for psychosoc, very similarly, is like if, if we go back to one of the earlier questions here was like, I don't know any of these phenomenons, right? These specific phenomenons here. But let me see, right? I, I'm not going to throw up a barrier that says, oh my gosh, I should have studied this. Oh my gosh, if I just had one more day, one more week, I would have known this. I just go, you know what? I don't know it. That's okay. Let me see if I can figure it out. Yeah. And I love what you just said because a lot, like one of the big differences between students who do really well on the MCAT and students who score below their practices on the real test is what type of internal dialogue you have with yourself when you're facing a difficult question. Yeah. So it could be like the sky is falling. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm going to fail this test. Or it could be that well. I'm sure I can manage. I'm sure I can figure it out. Like trusting yourself that you can figure it out. Like every time I see a difficult question on the MCAT, honestly, I'll just say, if it's difficult for me, it's difficult for everyone. Mm -hmm. And if you're prepared, this should be your own attitude. Like I'm prepared for the MCAT. If I don't know this term, most people don't know. AMC expects me to do some reasoning in here. Yeah. And let me go and try to do that.
All right, so there you have it. Again, Psychsoch, Passage 4 from the Blueprint Diagnostic that you get for free at blueprintmcat.com. Hopefully this was helpful for you. Don't forget to subscribe so you get all these amazing episodes for free on your device every week. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.